Listener Production. Hello, Katrina Blowers here with you for the briefing. No, Tom Tilly here with us today, unfortunately. He's off sick, so we are wishing him all the best in a speedy recovery. Now, do you use any of the dating apps like Tinder or Bumble or Hinge? Millions of us do, but unfortunately, so do countless predators and criminals. Recent research found three out of four Aussies are experiencing sexual violence on these platforms. That's a lot. And unsurprisingly, women are most likely to be at the receiving end. So the federal government's now putting pressure on the industry to get its safety issues in order. The apps have until June to come back with a clear industry-wide plan. And if they don't, the government is going to be pulling the regulatory trigger. So what changes can we expect and will voluntary self-governance even do much? I think there is still merit in giving the dating apps the opportunity to actually put this code together because I do think that they understand the platforms and the behaviours that go on in the most intimate ways possible. Yeah, so this new plan for dating apps to to clean up their houses. Antoinette Latouf is looking into that in the second half of the show. But first, here are today's headlines. It is Monday, the 25th of September. A digital national skills passport that could change the way we are hired will be part of the first employment white paper in almost 30 years, which will be unveiled today. The proposal would see us being able to keep our qualifications, employment and education history all in one place, probably on our phones, a bit similar to the Medicare app. And that's touted to make it much easier and faster for employers to match us up to the right jobs. This is part of nine new new policies worth around $41 million to be released by Treasurer Jim Chalmers. I think it's got to be a part of an ambitious agenda for economic reform. If we're going to lift the speed limits on the Australian economy, uh, then we really do have to be very ambitious about what we can do. That's the CEO of the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, uh, Andrew McKellar there. So this paper will also take on the gender pay gap and set a new lower full employment target with bids to boost TAFE with six new centres of excellence. It certainly sounds very ambitious to me. Uh, So So this white paper is coming at a time of historically low unemployment, which the new Reserve Bank boss Michelle Bullock says may have to rise if we want inflation to be curtailed. But Jim Chalmers is saying, look, I I hear that, but we need to find a way to keep a lid on inflation while still keeping unemployment as low as possible. We now have less than three weeks to go until we vote on the voice referendum, but another news poll is showing the lowest level of support yet. This poll in today's Australian newspaper shows only slightly more than a third of voters say they will vote yes. Over the same time, opposition to the proposal has risen three points to 58%. Experts are saying the swing to no has been strongest among women and younger voters. And it's not just the yes vote that's taken a hit in this news poll. Peter Dutton's approval rating has dropped to the lowest level since he took on the leadership of the Liberal Party. And that's followed the often heated political debates over race in the last few weeks. Even though the major airlines have announced over the weekend they're going to be putting extra flights on this week, if you are travelling anywhere... 
plan ahead. That is the advice because we've got multiple states on school holidays. Of course, the AFL and NRL Grand Final. It's all happening this week. And Melbourne Airport is expecting an average of 100,000 people passing through each day. It'll be busy all week. We're expecting uh, a Grand Final crowd uh, through the doors uh, at the airport every day this week. Uh, but Friday will be particularly busy. That's Andrew Lund from the airport. Uh, the AFL has already sold out. Yeah, good luck getting tickets. But there are going to be a lot of live sites around uh, the capital cities. Brisbane, we've got two teams in the grand final this weekend. So um, I, I'm imagining there's going to be some big parties happening right across town. And the largest soil sample ever scooped up from an asteroid has parachuted into the Utah desert. This sample capsule was catapulted out of the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft. That's about 100,000 kilometres from Earth and it took just four hours to reach the ground. Uh, Scientists estimate that this sample is roughly the size of a cup of rubble and it's all there, it's all intact, but it's the biggest sample we've ever brought back since the Apollo moon rocks. Scientists are pretty excited about this because they're saying it's going to give us an insight into the beginnings of our solar system. This soil is from an asteroid called Bennu, which is currently orbiting the sun. It's 81 million kilometres from Earth now. Uh, This is the size of the Empire State Building. Um, People who do modelling of these things say that no cause for alarm right now, but this asteroid is expected to get close to Earth and maybe even close enough to make impact. But that's all happening in the year 2182. So don't worry too much just yet, I suppose. Now to a topic much closer to reality. Antoinette is jumping in in just a second to talk about dating apps and how the big companies are being made to clean up their acts. Meeting online is the most popular way to find a partner in Australia. And I'm sure we all have a friend or two who has a lovely success story about meeting the love of their life on a dating app. But of course, there are a heap of horror stories too that range from the bloke who claimed to be a six foot two banker actually being shorter than you and unemployed to far more sinister stuff like people using these apps to commit crimes. So now the Australian government has put dating apps on notice. They need to come up with a safety code and present it to the government next year, or the government will legislate the industry and force them to do better. So what could these changes look like? To unpack this, Lisa Portelard is with me, who's an author, communications expert, and who did her PhD on dating apps and intimacy. Lisa, welcome to The Briefing. So dating apps are used by more than 3 million Aussies. Is making them safer well overdue? Look, I think it is, to be honest. And I think that it's been an ongoing issue for some time. So back when I did my research in 2020, the majority of people who uh, were in my focus groups, interviews, etc., reported some sort of technologically facilitated violence. That could be sexually abusive behaviours, it could be abusive behaviours, racist um, commentary, etc. 
the interesting part was that a lot of them sort of took it as part and parcel of just being on the dating app. You know, it was kind of like a behaviour that they recognised and knew that was going to happen. Since then, uh, there's been quite a few large bodies of research that have found this kind of abusive behaviour. So, for example, the Australian Institute of Criminology did a report and found that three in four Australians have experienced sexually facilitated uh, violence across dating apps or abusive behaviours of sorts. So um, it is long overdue. And I guess there was a series of very high profile cases Mm. as well where, you know, women met men on dating apps and then went on to either be killed or the worst case scenario sort of thing. Mm. So, you know, from there, there's been the online dating safety summit, which occurred in January, which brought together dating apps, federal government, um, law enforcement, all that sort of stuff to to kind of figure out a way forward. But most definitely, I think it's long been overdue. Uh, People that have been using dating apps have been reporting this behaviour for some time. I think the biggest frustration on people's end was that they would report the behaviours to the dating app, but it would kind of drop into a black hole. Mm. So there was no response from the dating app in terms of what action had actually been taken. So the government has given industry essentially nine months, like go Mm. away, come up with a plan, a voluntary plan for your industry and present it to Mm. us. Do you think this is a reasonable ask to go the route of self-regulation rather than coming down harder on the industry? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is a reasonable route. I think that dating apps are very cognizant of what is going on at this point in time and are looking to put safety first um, through the functionality of their dating apps, but also through the ethos of the dating apps as well. So, Tinder in particular has implemented functionalities like incognito, which is where you can be on the dating app, but you are not visible to the general public on the app until you swipe right on someone. And that that's the only person that actually sees you. So it's, it's kind of like creating a sense of protection or anonymity for people as well. They've implemented things like blocking, etc. So they're very cognizant of what's going on within this space. And um, I think from a dating app perspective, they're the people that understand the business the most. So it does make Mm. sense that they should be the people that have the first um, stab at putting together some sort of code from their end. And I think the thing that we miss is that this is a really complex issue. So Mm. it's not like these behaviours only happen on the dating apps. They happen within an ecosystem, a digital ecosystem. So you might meet someone on a dating app and then take the conversation off to WhatsApp, to Instagram, to Snapchat, to your number, et cetera. And that's where the behaviour occurs, right? So it's it's quite a complex issue. And it's not just the dating apps per se, but these are behaviours that occur within the online environment, but also more broadly within an Australian cultural context as well. But I think it's fair to say that the experts should have the first sort of um, the first sort of stab at putting something together that goes towards creating a safe online environment. Do you think it's also fair to request that those who report somebody or an incident 
that there is a timeline in which they get responded to. And they don't, get, they don't hear from some chatbot that it's a person and that their grievance is dealt with within X amount of days or hours. Absolutely, absolutely. I think this makes complete sense. And this was, this was one of the critical issues for people. They found themselves reporting issues, never hearing any response, swiping and finding the same sort of perpetrator still online. So mm. no action was actually taken or they'd had moved to another platform. So they might have moved, you know, from Tinder to Bumble or where, whatever it might be. It's important to note, and I know you mentioned it uh, just a moment ago, that there are safety features on various platforms, mm. obviously some better mm. than others. What stands out for you as best practice or a policy perhaps that the rest of the industry should take note of? I think, you know, we're, I've, I've sort of mentioned some of the key features. Other things that are being integrated at the moment are AI. So AI is being used to, you know, monitor um, direct message chats and pick up on um, content that might be sexually violent, that might be abusive, that might be racist, etc. And it's also being used from an image perspective as well. So I guess, you know, there's been a quite a, a large fear of AI out there in contemporary society. But I think this is one of the occasions where AI can be used to actually call out some of these issues and to deal with them quite quickly and also from an evidence-based sort of perspective as well. Um, I think that it needs to be a combination of things. So Tinder at the moment is working very hard to create a safety-first um, method sort of, you know, having safety across all the lenses of its um, platform. So I know that um, Tinder does a lot of work with Chanel Contos within the space of consent. Um, so it's about, you know, broadening those discussions out in terms of talking to those specialists um, from a consent perspective, from a, a sexual violence perspective, et cetera, to see how they, it's not just functionality, but how the discussion can be um, broadened to those sort of concepts as well. A key issue here is, yes, we see this happening in on dating apps, but in Australia, one woman is killed per day by an intimate partner or a former partner or someone uh, she has never met. And if we looked at those statistics for minority groups, they would be even higher, like intersectional sort of minority groups. So, you know, we've got to look at why these behaviours are happening in Australia and, you know, how we can deal with them in a, in a systemic sort of way, not just in the app environment, but, but more broadly. In making that announcement, what the government did say is mm. we pledge to end violence against women and children within a decade mm. and that the digital ecosystem is one part of that. Mm. I know that these sorts of conversations are also being had abroad. Are you aware of any other jurisdictions, US, UK, Canada, New Zealand, having any luck legislating or mm. getting mm. apps mm. in order? Look, I think the discussions are very similar to where we are at at this point in time. So, you know, definitely there's been those functionalities that have been added um, across the board in different countries as well. But I'm not across any sort of um, countries that have had any luck in terms of legislating at this point in time. But this is sort of a work in progress because, mm. you know, I think Tinder celebrated 10 years last year of, of being a dating app, right? So, you know, it's still sort of within its its genesis. It, it took a while for this stuff to come to light and now sort of it's it's being addressed. And I guess, you know, this whole the government plus the dating apps plus law enforcement, et cetera, it sort of all needs to come together at the same time to, to progress it forward. There are voluntary codes in other industries. We've seen um, Facebook, Google, TikTok um, and X, um, formerly Twitter. The tech giants have come together and put a voluntary code to tackle misinformation. We've seen that 
fall quite short, mm. why a lot of harm is done. Mm. Does this run the risk of we're going to wait nine months for a voluntary code and then we're going to wait for the impacts? Meanwhile, there's a lot of damage done. I think there is still merit in giving the dating apps the opportunity to actually put this code together because I do think that they understand the platforms and the behaviours that go on in the most intimate ways possible. I do agree with you in terms of previously other tech bodies have put together voluntary codes and they have fallen flat. But I think that there needs to be some investigation from from the dating app um, space first in terms of actually putting these codes and practices into place before the government actually steps in with any sort of legislative movements. But one of the things that I found in my research was that users often had their own methods of proactively doing something within this space, right? So often we see um, users as kind of like, you know, they have no power in the situation when in reality they um, have agency and many of them actually go about, you know, taking action. So, for example, there were some younger women within the research who had received explicit imagery and they would take these images and they would pixelate certain images elements, obviously, and um, put it into their stories and say on Instagram and say, this is this person or this is this handle, for example. Just on that point of people having agency, and Mm. I I do appreciate Mm. that, Mm. that also possibly runs the risk of putting the work and the load on victims or would-be victims. Yes, absolutely. There's two sides to both coins, right? So yeah. absolutely, you are putting the work or the load on on the victims as opposed to the perpetrators, as opposed to the app that is actually facilitating yes. this sort of environment, right? So it's no, by no means an ideal sort of situation, but it does show that there is, there is still agency within mm. this space. And I think, you know, at this point in time, dating apps are certainly very cognizant that this is a big issue and that the gavel is sort of going to drop on them in nine months so that they need to take action and are working with different stakeholders to move things along and introducing functionality. So I completely agree with you on on that point. But yes, I think there is movement happening in this space at this point in time. Lisa Portolan, author, communications expert, who also did her PhD on dating apps and intimacy. So the dating app industry has until June next year to come up with a plan and if it falls short the companies could be subject to legally enforceable industry code of conduct. And I'm not particularly confident in an industry's ability to regulate itself. I mentioned how well Facebook, Google and TikTok are doing with their misinformation self-regulation. But Lisa does raise some salient points about the fact that industry knows the nuances of its business and user base best and that they should get the first crack at improving things. Listener.